1: TCL is a
0: proud sponsor of the 1500 ESPN studios. TCL, America's fastest growing TV brand. Minnesota Vikings, the NFL, football. Yeah,
1: football. Welcome to Purple Podcast. Welcome to another episode of the Purple Podcast, Matthew Collar here, and to make another appearance for a big matchup between the offensive line and the defensive line, Brandon Thorne writes for USA Football, among other things. Brandon, how are you?
0: I'm doing good, Matt. Happy to be here again.
1: Yes, and we are happy to have you, except for Brandon, I'm not certain that everyone is going to love what they hear about the Vikings' offensive line, uh, because last week against the Rams... They were completely dominated, and I saw a stat today that they are on pace, which I know, early season pace stats, but on pace to give up more pressures than anyone ever has in the pro football focus era. That came from uh, Sam Monson tweeted that this morning. So that's not great, um, but I, I'm curious, Brandon, let's just start here. If you think that there is a fix after watching the Vikings' offensive line and how much they – struggled against the Rams most people do but not that much uh where Kirk Cousins was throwing with pressure on almost every other throw is there something that they can do personnel wise should Mike Remmers be a tackle should Danny Isadora be in the game should Brett Jones be in the game i mean is is there anything that they can do to get a hold of this issue yeah it's
0: a you know it's a good question I don't, I don't really see you know like you know, what I would call a fix by any means this year. I mean, there's just not a lot to work with, you know, on the roster right now in terms of offensive line. You know, we've talked about guys like Isadora, but, you know, with performances that, you know, he showed a little bit in the preseason, it's tough to, you know, go with somebody like that. But, I mean, at this point, I I don't know. I mean, you might as well see what you have, you know, I think because we know Tom Compton is – you know, not really a starter in the league. He, you know, he's starting for, for you guys right now, but he's clearly a, you know, backup caliber guy. Um, you know, Remmers is a, you know, below average guard, you know, maybe an average right tackle, but you know, you can't really put him out there right now because you don't have anybody at guard. But you know, if you wanted to try Isadora, you know, over there, you know, that's maybe an option. Um, but you know, without flying back, I think that, you know, things might stabilize a little bit and uh, you guys could um maybe potentially, you know, grow into a uh even a below average offensive line would be nice, you know, at this point um maybe an average offensive line eventually, but that's kind of the ceiling that I see with this unit this year is is, you know, average somewhere, you know, around I don't know, you know the top 20, you know, maybe in that 20 range, you know, of offensive lines is the ceiling, but it's going to be, it's going to be tough to get there right now, man. It's, it's not looking good. I don't have a whole lot of uh, positive things to to say right now.
1: So can you explain, because I got a tweet on this this morning about how Nick Easton's injury really hurt them? Because, I mean, I think we knew coming in that Tom Compton was not a guy who had started a whole lot of games in the NFL and that there was a reason for that. Cause if you're good on the offensive line, you're going to be in there. Uh, but it seems to me that it's not just on him getting overpowered by Aaron Donald in pass protection, because that would happen sometimes to Easton, but they can't run the ball at all. And the screen game out of the backfield has been pretty limited too. Yeah.
0: Uh, Easton was a guy that, you know, we had talked about quite a bit and I, you know, kind of, you know, I liked him last year. Uh, I liked what he could do, you know, in terms of athletically, his play speed was really good, you know, climbing to the second level, getting out in space, you know, hooking and reaching guys in the zone run game. Um, you know, those type of things I thought were good for sure. Um, so I really liked him as kind of a developmental guy, but also as, you know, kind of a solid starter as well as guard last year, somebody young enough to, you know, grow with on that offensive line and alongside elf line. So. Him getting hurt, you know, definitely limits what you're able to do, you know, especially in the run game. But, um, you know, he and plus, I really liked his competitive toughness as well. I thought he played, you know, very similarly to um, Pat Offline in terms of, you know, their aggressiveness, physicality, um, even though he wasn't the strongest guy. Um, so. You know, I think you're missing a lot there at the, at the guard spot and replacing it with Compton. I mean, it's, you know, it's night and day, especially not just in, you know, their performance, but, you know, what they're able to do. And, um, Compton's just, you know, kind of one of those guys who, you know, like you said, is a backup who doesn't really do anything, you know, above, you know, a below average type of rate, you know, whereas, you know, with Easton, you had a guy who could do several things, you know, above average. So. Um, yeah, that, that was a huge loss, you know, especially with not drafting the guard. So, you know, I know that, you know, clearly they were counting on Easton to to be a guy that they were, you know, going to depend on and somebody who was going to get better, um, you know, throughout the year. So yeah, I, once that happened, you know, and having to put Tom, Tom Compton in there, you know, you knew things, you know, had a, had a low ceiling, you know, from the get go and and we're, you know, we're seeing it.
1: Uh, something interesting. I asked uh, Linval Joseph about playing in practice against Nick Easton, and he talked about exactly what you said—that competitive toughness. He compared him to a gnat because you know he's not that big. Yeah. Especially, it, it is funny for an offensive lineman to be called a gnat, but compared to Linval Joseph, everyone is small. Uh But, but just he said that you know Easton was really good
0: comparison.
1: Yeah, right. I mean, if you saw them standing next to each other, it's amazing that uh, Easton can handle some of those guys because he's not huge, but... He said that Easton was extremely clever, too, and he would never mm. do the same thing twice uh, during, you know, a practice or them going one-on-one with each other. And that's that's some huge praise from Linval Joseph. So I think there was a lot of respect for him. And with him out, they're forced to scramble, and they go get Brett Jones, but he doesn't play very well. He was mostly dominated when he was in there. And now they're they're just sort of left with what they have. But as far as options go... You touched on the potential of Remmers to right tackle, and I, I think that's gaining some steam within Vikings Twitter of people asking me, hey, are, are they going to kick him back out to right tackle? Can you just compare him from what you saw at right tackle to uh, him playing guard? Because I think, just real quick, I I think it's been a little unfair, the analysis of him at guard, because he, he's just drawn a murderer's row of defensive tackles that he's gone against in his five games at guard. He's gone... He's gone against Hakeem Hicks, who is tough. If he gets Aaron Donald and then Adama Sue in the last game, DeForest Buckner goes against uh, the Vikings interior. I mean, Kenny Clark and Mike Daniels. It's just like going up against some of the best pitchers in baseball and then having a low batting average, right? So uh, just give me your kind of thoughts on him at those two positions. Yeah,
0: so Remmers is a guy who played right tackle pretty much his whole career in Carolina, and you know, initially in Minnesota, and that's why he was signed in Minnesota. Um, so him having to go in, you know, inside to guard, um, you know, you're asking a guy who is, you know, just solid at right tackle to go into a new position that he's never played before. I mean, you're not, you can't expect, you know, in my mind, logically for him to match his play, you know, especially against the competition he's going against. So, Naturally, one step below solid is below average. So that's, you know, that's what he's been at times. But when you're going against elite players, below average versus elite, you're going to look pretty bad. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, maybe worse than you are. So, yeah, he he just, he really struggles, you know, inside in pass protection, especially. Um, And we touched on this, you know, in that, that one of the video podcasts that we did. Um, earlier in the year but you know in terms of getting a set on guys and playing with that inside out relationship it, he just really struggles to get to that point and he's constantly playing from behind against guys you know just not really in that relationship with with defenders very often at all and that causes him to lunge and um, you know just never really look comfortable against guys who can rush the passer on the inside. He just hasn't really acclimated to it to the point where he can match these elite guys. And I don't ever expect him to, you know, and I I don't you know, I mean, I can't imagine that the Vikings expected him to, you know, do a whole lot better than he's doing right now. I mean, you know, against the competition he's facing. So, you know, the good news is after, you know, Philly, you know, they're going to go on like a four game stretch where he's not really going to see any great interior defensive linemen again you know, uh, minus uh, Leonard Williams with the Jets. But Cardinals, Saints, Lions, you know, that's that's going to be a huge break considering, uh, you know, if you compare, you know, Arizona, New Orleans, Detroit to Philadelphia, you know, Los Angeles, Green Bay, you mm. know. So, uh, you know, definitely, you know, an opportunity there, I think, you know, three of the next four games to get some confidence together, you know, if they are going to keep them at guard. Um, and just for the unit in general, just to gain some confidence, because I don't really think these defensive lines, you know, there's some good players, don't get me wrong, you know, Sheldon Rankins is somebody who comes up, but just not what they've been through, you know, in these first five weeks. So that's, that is something that I think you can look at, you know, in the, over the course of the next month is an encouraging sign for the unit, because I think, you know, if you're going get, to get it together, this would be the time, you know, heading into the bye week, it would be, it would be excellent to do that.
1: So what is your analysis of the small sample size of Brian O'Neill? He was able to get in a couple of games, but for, uh, not whole games and not a lot of different situations. Both were very much where the Vikings are throwing on every single down. In one case, you know, they're down a bunch of points to Buffalo when he ultimately gets in the game. But, you know, Rashad Hill, I think, has been exactly who Rashad Hill is that He's been all right at times in pass protection. He's gotten smoked in pass protection. He's not very good at all in run blocking, and this team is the worst running team in the NFL, which I don't think any of us saw coming with Delvin Cook returning, but when you look at who they've faced and how the offensive line is constructed, it, it does make a lot of sense. Uh, do you think that we will see more of Brian O'Neill as we go forward here?
0: You know, I... I don't see what you guys, you know, really have to lose at this point because I think his confidence is, is just going to be fine. I mean, you know, we'll see how he responds to this, that Buffalo game if he gets back in. But, um, you know, the, the first, you know, the two games that he's appeared in this year, you know, I've seen every snap and I, I think it's been okay. You know, um, like, like I said from that first game, I think the best thing to me is the mental processing piece, you know, mm-hmm. seeing things. Um, being able to process line games and stunts um, that was very encouraging and you could see the athleticism a lot of the time in his past set um, you know but his hand placement is is sporadic right now you know he gets too wide at times like he lets guys get into his chest his pad level is too high um some of the time but that's i wouldn't even say pad level is my biggest concern I'd say hand usage is probably my second biggest and the biggest thing is really his ability to anchor and um, you know, the play strength piece um, you know, we saw it against Buffalo. I mean, he got blown up in that game. I mean, five or six times he's lifted off his feet. I think he got put on his back or on his, on his butt, you know, three or four times. Um, so, you know, his anchor is a major problem and, you know, it's not like the bills have anybody who's, you know, you're, you're going to worry about in terms of, you know, speed to power. So, you know like this weekend you know going against somebody like brandon graham that that might be a disaster so um you know i, I would definitely wait on uh putting him in here for the next couple of weeks but um or at least this week but uh yeah i think the anchoring and the play strength and the hand placement is, as a pass protector are the biggest issues and then in the run game like you mentioned we didn't we haven't really seen him run block much but you know it hasn't been great it's not like he's you know you know, he's not he's not the type of guy who's going to really generate much movement he's um just kind of a guy who gets on guys and tries to steer him and that's you know kind of what we've seen but the hand usage i think would translate to the run game in terms of being worrisome you know for his placement because you have to try to get on the inside of the frame of guys and um he struggles to do that you know a lot of the time so yeah it, you know i mean he, he can offer you, you know, things that, you know, in the screen game, you know, climbing to the second level, getting out in space that Hill just can't do. But at this point, you know, with this line, he's not going to move the needle one way or the other, very much in my opinion. So, you know, you might as well just keep him on the bench until you see a matchup you like.
1: Yeah, that that makes a lot of sense. And And when I did go back and look at... Uh, what he did against Buffalo, it was not good. And, and it was kind of no. disturbing to see him, uh, just let guys get into his chest and drive him back. Like, that's, that's not gonna be very successful if that happens, uh, against better pass rushers. And, and speaking of that, um, Philadelphia defensive line, clearly a 4-3 as opposed to a 3-4 looks to me like it's even more dangerous than the Rams, as as good as the Rams were with Aaron Donald, who might be the best player in the whole NFL, aside from quarterbacks, and, and Dominick and Sue, but now it's guys just as powerful inside and incredible outside rushers. I don't have any idea how this Vikings offensive line is going to handle the Eagles.
0: Yeah, so, you know, I guess we could just start you know, I think with the fact that the Vikings are the 32nd, you know, team in the NFL in, in rushing offense and the Philadelphia Eagles are the number one run defense. So that right is there the, is that you know, bad.
1: Is that bad, Brandon?
0: <laughs> I mean, you, you know, it, that's going to be uh, really tough to run on, obviously, when you have the worst against the best. So that's probably my biggest concern just from a universe unit perspective. Um, but you know, the interior of the Eagles is nowhere near the Rams, in my opinion. I mean, you have Fletcher Cox who is, you know, he's as good as anybody the Rams have, you know, maybe a little less than Donald if you want to split hairs. But I mean, the Rams also have Brockers and Sue, the Eagles don't have anybody else. I mean, they're, they're playing nada, you know, um, I think I saw Vejo, you know, a couple times. Um, you know, they just don't, you know, with Timmy Dernigan out, they just don't have another great interior presence, but, you know, they can also put, you know, in, in passing situations, you know, they can put Bennett inside, you know, they can, you know, put some of the guys on the ends inside and that makes them, you know, really formidable on the inside. But in terms of, um, you know, personnel on the interior, they're not going to see what they saw against the Rams, but, you know, At the same time, the outside, the edges are much more dangerous than what the Rams had. You know, you have Graham, you have Long, you have Barnett, and you have Bennett. So you have a four-headed monster out there. So this could be a lot like the Buffalo game in terms of the pressures given up because you have four rushers who primarily are edge rushers, but they also can, you know, play inside in passing situations. And that's just, that's still a disaster for me. You know, if you... You're talking about those quicker edge type guys against guys like Compton, um, you know, and uh, Remmers. So and Fletcher Cox primarily lines up over the right guard. So that's going to be a long day for Remmers as well. Um, you know, all in all, this, you know, it's a terrible matchup. There's really nothing that they have going for him here. Um you know, so it's hard to, it's hard to find, you know, the positives and I'm definitely an optimistic guy, but you know, it's just, it's hard to to see in this one.
1: So looking at some of the numbers, Chris Long has 18 pressures on only 102 pass rush snaps so far this year. I mean, Mm. think about that. That's basically one of every five plays that he's out there. He's creating a, a pressure on the quarterback and Michael Bennett's Got 17 on 115. Brandon Graham, 14 on 112. So these guys are are getting into the backfield. And Fletcher Cox leads the entire team. He's got five quarterback hits. He's got three sacks. And, you know, even though they don't have another guy in there that is similar to a Dominican Sue, Fletcher Cox is is just about as good as it gets. I, I... I I don't have an answer either, Brandon. Is it to bootleg more often? I mean, how, when you watch, uh, this Philly defense, how do other teams try to uh, protect themselves against this pass rush? Because no matter how good your offensive line is, they're going to be dangerous.
0: Yeah. Like, yeah, I definitely think play action, bootlegs, misdirection, um, maybe incorporate some traps in the run game, you know, to, to get guys, you know, off balance and, Kind of throw, throw a wrench at them. You know, you want to ha- hit them from different directions. Try to, you know, use deception, you know, lots of, you know, obviously window dressing motions, um, to empty out the boxes, you know, things like that. I mean, uh, Dan Orlovsky had a great breakdown of Sean McVay and how they get Todd Gurley on, um, you know, I think Gurley's, you know, seen some of the fewest, uh, loaded boxes in the NFL this mm-hmm. year. You know, he's ran against, I think the third or fourth least amount of uh, five man boxes in the NFL or the five, third or fourth, most five man boxes in the NFL somewhere in there. And a lot of what he does is he uses motions to clear out the box. So that could be something that you could do, but you have to have a running game right. uh to, to, you know, at least threaten, you know, the, you know, that, and, and, you know, kind of take that attention away. So, you know, they're the worst rushing team in the NFL. So that's going to be tough, but um, yeah. So I, I definitely think using deception, misdirection, play action, bootlegs, things like that can help, but it's going to be tough because this defense is very fundamentally sound, well coached. Um, you know, they fly to the ball. They have great tacklers, um, you know, and just a, a, de- a defensive line rotation. That is, is, pretty scary. So they're always fresh. So it's, it's going to be, it's going to be tough, man. I mean, you know, but yeah, that stuff that we mentioned is, you know, they've got to try, they got to try to get creative because they're definitely not just going to go up there and just, you know, generate movement off the ball and, you know, hit them in the mouth, that type of thing. I don't think that's going to happen with this team.
1: So. Well, if there's any, help at all uh it's that john de Filippo was on the coaching staff last year in philly and maybe he's got yep. some ideas to throw them off but the the talent gap is is pretty massive there uh before i let you go brandon give me your take on why everyone is throwing for 400 yards oh
0: man well i mean the, the rule changes i think are are huge you know, and I haven't really studied this out on film, but, you know, just what the NFL is trying to do, you know, I think this is exactly what they want. You know, obviously, I mean, it generates viewers and the majority of people are, you know, just casual fans and they want to see scoring. You know, they don't want to see the, you know, the nuance, the, you know, defensive plays and, you know, the stuff like that. So, you know, it's what the NFL is tried to do you know by changing the rules and it's you know they're getting what they want Um, but you know it when safeties and linebackers are you know thinking twice about crushing guys over the middle that you know it opens things up um, when people can't really touch the quarterbacks you know they're much more comfortable so quarterbacks and receivers are more comfortable than probably any time in the history of the game right now and um it's easier than ever to play quarterback in the nfl right now i think you know it there was just that post on twitter i think it was from nfl perspective or nfl football perspective or something like that and they said that the average passer now is going to average 300 yards and a few touchdowns a game that's you know and that's average
1: that's crazy yeah
0: so i mean if that's average then you know just numbers are inflated now i mean you know, Drew Brees is about to become the all time leading passer and not to not to not to take anything away from him and then, you know, all the other guys who are gonna be breaking all these records, but it's like passing records just don't mean much anymore to me. I mean, when I see it now, it's just like whatever, you know, I don't care. I mean, because it's so, you know, the numbers are just insane right now in terms of passing and it's exactly what the NFL wants. So, you know, it's it's not really a surprise, but it is still kind of startling to see you know, the numbers just each week is like the most successful week in, in NFL's history mm-hmm. in terms of passing production, you know, and, you know, yards per attempt and things like that. So it's, you know, this is the direction it's going. So, you know, in a lot of ways, it kind of helps to overcome, you know, the lack of offensive line development um, in terms of pass protection because, you know, ball's getting out quicker. It's coming out, you know, easier. Um, you know, protecting longer, you know, the reps are becoming shorter, you know, for offensive linemen. So, you know, naturally that kind of counters the defensive line being so much better right now. So that was kind of good for some teams, but for somebody like me who really, you know, appreciates the way this, I don't know. I mean, I don't want to sound like too much of a traditionalist, but I'm not crazy about the way the game's going. I mean, it's fun to watch and stuff in some ways, but yeah, I don't know. It's, but you know, this is what the majority wants. So that's what that, I think that's why it's happening.
1: I think everything looks like my video games when I was growing up, because in my video, yeah, it looks games, like the big 12, which is terrible. <laughs> but. I used to, I mean, I'm sure you did this too with Madden. Like you throw for 6,000 yards, right. And you, yeah. you know, you, you just, you'd throw every play and you would rack up huge totals. And in basketball, you'd shoot threes all the time. And not like now that's in baseball, you try to hit a home run every time, you use the power button. So it feels like that's the same exact thing that's, uh, that's going on now. So, uh, well, anyway, yeah. I, I mean, I, I'm with you on all of that stuff, especially the fact that you can't hit them anymore and you don't have to be tough to play the position. Sage Rosenfels, the former NFL quarterback, and I have talked about this a lot where before you had to be tough as a quarterback and now you just don't. And so you know that you could sit back there and feel pretty darn comfortable all the time. And I, I don't really like that. This is, I don't want anyone to get hurt, but I also don't like that. This is football and one position, all the other positions have to be tough. One position doesn't. That's sort of like, I don't know. Come on. Maybe they've gone a little too far with that.
0: Yeah. And even receivers don't have to be as tough. No, that's true.
1: Yeah. You know, Exactly, so, yeah it's uh
0: you know, I mean, it's still the football you know, at the highest level, so it's fun to watch, but it's you know it's changing man more than probably ever in my lifetime, you know in, in such a short period of time,
1: well, anyway, we'll continue to look at it, and you know what, Brandon, guess what you're invited back to this podcast again sometime soon, awesome, man, <laughs> and uh Hopefully
0: we have. Something different to talk about, some you know, something encouraging maybe over these next four weeks.
1: You know so, what? If things keep going this way, uh, at least on the defensive line, where I think they've still been decent, uh, we could mm-hmm. probably look at Stephen Weatherly's growth at some point and how Sheldon Richardson is impacting the defensive line. That's if they get the defense uh, turned around a little bit. So we'll 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 change. And Daniel Hunter for sure. Yeah, he's been great. He's been spectacular. Yeah, he was so awesome far. last week. Uh, the yeah. the fact that he was able to beat Andrew Whitworth on a sack was pretty impressive in itself, because Whitworth almost never gives one up. So uh, yeah. anyway, you should follow Brandon. You can learn a lot about offensive and defensive line play just through Twitter at Veterans Scout. Read his stuff, USA Football, or usually posted on Twitter, and we will talk to you again soon here on the Purple Podcast.